0: And welcome to episode eighty-eight of the Adventures in Advising podcast. My name is Matt Markin, and on today's episode, let's welcome our special guest. That's Dr. Margaret Bindio. Dr. Bindio began her teaching, advisement, and mentoring career in Kenya, where she served as a certified secondary school teacher. She has earned several degrees, including a dual title PhD degree in curriculum instruction and comparative and international education, as well as an MA in education research. MED in curriculum and a BS in Education in English Language and Literature. Dr. Bindio served at various times as a temporary faculty and advisor in the Department of Academic Advisement and Student Development at Millageer University, and also as an academic advisor at Penn State University, Harrisburg. Dr. Bindio's area of research includes the academic resilience and academic persistence of success of low-income first-generation and immigrant students. She has presented her research in local, national, and international conferences. She is an awardee of Nakata's Emerging Leaders Program and a nominee and winner of the 2019 uh, Mashuja Awards in the Youth in- Empowerment Category. In the local community, she volunteers with Church World Services to help transition recent immigrants to the USA system of education. Dr. Bindio, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I am so grateful to be here, Matt.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad for you to be here as well. It was great connecting with you um, not too long ago to talk about the podcast and being a guest. And, you know, we heard a little bit from your bio, but can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and your background in higher education?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I am so much willing to share my story, which is a long one. I originally come from Kenya, as you know, and um, I went to school in Kenya Elementary through university, I got my first degree in Kenya. And the system of education there is very different from the United States. Students take a national exam, which is different from, you know, the likes of SAT. Uh, This is a national exam to, to make sure that the students moving on to the next level qualify in every way to pursue their education at that level. And so I was able to go through all the levels, taking uh, national exams and joining the university in Kenya, Kenyatta University in Nairobi, where I did a bachelor's in education with a concentration in teacher education with a concentration in English as a second language. And um, from there, I was I went teaching, you know, because I had a degree. I was employed as a teacher where I taught English as a second language for several years and moved into administration. Uh they saw that I was capable of um of of leading, you know, other teachers, so I became an assistant principal of a secondary school and after about 2 years or 3 years I was elevated to become a principal of a girls' boarding school, which is a secondary school, where I stayed being a principal for four years. And then I decided to further my studies and I went to Belgium. And in Belgium, the education system is very subsidized. Of course, you know that uh, they speak primarily French and Flemish, but the program I was in was in English. So it was taught in English. Everything was in English. So that was easy for me to be able to learn the material and finish uh, without wasting a lot of time. And then from there, I came to the U.S. Again, I really just wanted to uh, be a better person, further my studies as opportunities, you know, presented themselves. And I'm very grateful that... I did not have any hesitation or I did not doubt myself and I was able to pursue the desires of my heart.
0: And now you're at Millersville uh, University. Can you describe uh,
1: Millersville for us? Millersville University is um one of the uh, commonwealth. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is one of the universities uh under Pennsylvania State System of Higher Education mm-hmm. which as 10 universities. There used to be 14 universities under the Pennsylvania State System of Higher Education, but because of the enrollment issues that all of us are facing across the country, they joined some of the universities to create one. So from 14, now we have um, 10, and Millersville is one of them. Uh, We are about an hour from Philadelphia, about an hour from Baltimore, two hours from DC, three hours from New York, and it's located in the Hamish country. I think when you hear about the Amish, you know, this is the home of the Hamish people. Mm. It's not uncommon to run into the Amish people just walking or cycling along the roads, you know, are driving their buggies you know, just or selling their farm produce um, along the road. So it's a it's a great place and the location is just wonderful.
0: Very nice. And what is your role um, at Millersville University? What does that entail for you?
1: So I am an academic advisor, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I was employed here as an assistant professor. And uh, after five years, I got promoted and tenured. Um, I'm now associate and I am considered a non-teaching faculty, even though I teach freshman uh, transitional courses, seminars. But I'm mainly advising, serving on committees, different committees, uh, looking for ways of helping students develop. I run a program here in View, it's, it's the Academic Resilience Initiative. Mm-hmm. And under that program, we have an academic resilience speaker series. It's a monthly uh, speaker series where we bring someone to talk about a, a certain topic mm-hmm. that is relevant to what students are going through at that time. Mm-hmm. Like we have one next week, and that one is about how to how to tame, you know, exam anxiety. You know, how to prepare for your finals. Mm-hmm. So. We started them as face-to-face, rather, sorry, online during uh, the pandemic, but we recently decided to have them uh, Mm face-to-face. And uh, so developing such programming for students to just help with their success, to partner with different uh, departments to help uh, students succeed is the core of who I am and what my work entails.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of leading into that or a great segue uh, to talk more about that is you and a colleague actually received a a positive energy grant and you created a a project called Promising Scholars Supporting, Mentoring and Advising Refugee and Immigrant Students Transitioning to College. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one good thing about being a faculty is the the freedom and the flexibility and the opportunities of writing grants. Mm-hmm. And so Miller's view as a grant, uh, it's called the positive energy grant, which is mm-hmm. open for every faculty member, mm-hmm. even staff to apply. And normally the requirements are that you should be working with the community to bring some form of development, whether that is health Whether that is, you know, assisting with uh, educating people, whether that is helping people to learn how to fend for themselves in terms of uh, work, or even whether that is working with schools around this area. And we chose with a colleague uh, to to help the population of refugees that uh, are going to school in the area high schools. Mm -hmm. And specifically one of the schools, McCaskey High School, which belongs to the school district of Lancaster City, which is our our city here. And I don't know, Matt, whether you know that Lancaster, Pennsylvania is the leading welcoming destination for refugees. We Mm -hmm. have a lot of refugees from different places. Mm -hmm. There are quite a number of organizations that are working to bring refugees in this area. And so the population of of uh, of uh, refugees has increased over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we we all know that uh, this population of people need a lot of support. Mm-hmm. First, the language, understanding the educational system, understanding the culture. You know, just being having people to support them, even to drive them around. Mm-hmm. I had. I actually started working with a certain group organization here in Lancaster. They, they call themselves the Church World Services. It's also one of the organizations that brings refugees from different places. And I had started in 2008 as a driver. I volunteered as a driver during my free time to just go pick a family, pick a mother, pick the children, or pick them from their home to take them to the grocery store or take them to medical appointments or whatever they needed to go. And so it's a passion of mine that I've always had to assist this population of students, I mean, of people. Mm -hmm. And so for for me and my colleague to write this grant to serve the students, Mm -hmm. it was just in line with uh, what we both did, because even her, when she was teaching in a different university she told me she would bring these refugee students to our house during thanksgiving during christmas and just give them a good meal yeah. so both of us were very passionate about uh, about uh, doing this work and so what we mainly do through this programming is to lie us with the school counselors uh, to organize Trips for the students to be bused into our university, mm-hmm. and when they come, I, we just had a bus last week, by the way. <laughs> um, when they come here, we have a program. We they tour the university. They see different units or departments. Eventually, they take lunch in the dining. They see mm-hmm. that you know that side of college life. Um, And then we bring people to talk to them about how college operates. How do you get there? What do you need to be doing now in order for you to set yourself up for admission? What about finances? How can you finance yourself? What about that math or English that would help you uh, to be a better student? So, and normally when we bring them in, they have so many questions. Um, we have a professor in Millersview. He's a former refugee and he's from Africa. And, and therefore, we also bring him in and he talks about his experiences as a refugee in Canada mm-hmm. and, tra- you know, moving from Canada to the U.S., where he went to school and where now he's a professor. And so when they see these people, they get the students get encouraged. Because not understanding the, the the system of education, and whether they can manage to even get a diploma or even a degree is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so we are so privileged that, um, you know, we have this grant, and we are so grateful that the first time we applied, we got it. The second time we applied, we also got it, and that's how these students were able to come last week. And we believe that. It's a little we can give. Partner with the counselors so that you know the counselors know that we are here, we are working with them, we want to, you know, we want to support what they are doing in the high school, in the middle schools, and so that by the time the students apply to go to college, mm-hmm. they already have an idea of what to expect. Mm-hmm. If they are coming to Miller's View, we are there for them. Yeah. In fact, as a continuation of that work, I formed uh, what I call the Millersville University Refugees Mentoring Program, mm-hmm. so that now after they come to Millersville, I pair them up with other students that are in you know that are seasoned in knowing what Millersville can offer to uh, students, and and just having those connections. Uh, where students can know exactly where to go in case they need help, they can come to me. They can go to their men, you know, their mentors, and it's just a wonderful thing. I think all of us definitely need to look at what can we do to help. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Cracking the college admissions code just got easier. I'm Rebecca Gordon, your go-to fictional college admissions counselor for the rich and famous. Tune into The Admissions Game, Satire Edition, and uncover my top secrets for sure-fire Ivy League admission. Ditch the old Photoshop your face onto a water polo hunk trick. We reveal all the latest loopholes. So laugh and learn with The Admissions Game, wherever you podcast.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's great because it's almost like you have everything kind of set up to offer them the support and guide them to get to college. And then once they're there, they're it's not just like, okay, we don't talk to you anymore. It's like, no, we're gonna pair you up with a mentor and make sure because I'm sure you have a lot more questions and need more guidance. And so you're gonna help them once they're a college student there as well. That's very amazing. Absolutely. And I really like the grant because the Positive Energy Fund essentially is raising awareness for economic, social, environmental challenges um, confronting the world, and looking at local solutions. And so everything kind of ties into everything that you're doing with this grant um, in Lancaster County, uh, Lancaster County by Millersville University. And kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, it wasn't um, not in your bio, but. I know for you, you do a lot, in a sense, outside as well of Millersville, and you're very much uh, connected with NACADA, the global community for academic advising, and especially within the global community engagement advising community. Uh, Can you talk more about that particular advising community?
1: Oh, absolutely. I I think um, I got to know about NACADA, the global advising community, uh, many years ago. And uh, when I knew it, I was not a professor. And I knew that this is the professional organization for advisors and even educators, Mm -hmm. including deans and provosts. You and I uh, have attended conferences and we have, you know, we have seen administrators there, you know, Mm -hmm. coming to learn from advisors about what they can do with student success. So it is an organization that is very, very crucial uh, in pushing the needle towards student success. Especially, we know that good advising goes hand in hand with good, good teaching. We cannot talk about teaching. You know, we can't talk about teaching without really talking about successful advising. And once in a while, we need to partner with organizations like this so that we can be able to learn from the experts, learn from people who have experiences or have gone through experiences similar to us, you know, uh, exchange ideas and things like that. So when I got to know about Nakada, I definitely knew that I needed to be a member of Nakada and most of my colleagues in my university, especially my colleague who are my colleagues who are advisors, Are members of NACADA. And, uh, I decided to be, you know, not to just be a member, but to, to volunteer to assist the organization. Because as I attended the conferences, I knew through the announcements they were making that they are looking for people to be leaders. So I applied to be an emerging leader by the grace of God. I got in and, um, I I also, um, actually, when I got in there, I learned so much about the organization and the need there is for people to volunteer and serve on committees, serve on different steering committees, and just bring their wisdom and their knowledge to assist the organization to thrive in order for the organization to be able to serve its membership. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the membership of NACADA is slightly over 10,000, that's a lot of people who are doing doing this work. So I I have volunteered in quite a number of of committees. I was in the Professional Development Committee. I was part of the Diversity and Inclusion Steering Committee. I recently was the Chair of the Global Engagement Community. And that in itself serves a lot of people from all over the United States, but also from out there, other countries. So I I, I am grateful for for that opportunity. The global engagement community is one that has really opened my eyes to the need uh, there is for us here in the US to partner with our colleagues in other countries. Uh, I can give you an example. When I was the chair of the Global Engagement Committee, Mm -hmm. I partnered with uh, the South African advising community. I had no idea there was an organized advising community in Africa. And I was Googling one time looking to see what is there about advising in Africa. Uh, And I landed on a PowerPoint that someone had done about advising and I contacted them and that led to me getting connected to some uh the, the 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 actually the president of the South African advising community and as we speak right now i sit in the advising board of the South African community i have worked with them i have been a guest speaker there during their conference and they are very excited i don't know whether you know much but tomorrow we have the global, the virtual global conference. Nakada is organizing organizing the virtual global conference, and we have a team from South Africa coming to, to um, who will be presenting about their, about their advising community. I'm very proud, yeah. because when I sat in their board, I was able to, to help them become an allied member of Nakada, and. They are, they now feel part and parcel of mm-hmm. of Nakada, uh, the president and a uh, team. My colleagues in the board they got so excited that they wrote a grant through the South African government, mm-hmm. and they got a grant, which with which they managed to pay for every member to be a member of Nakada this year. Wow, isn't that amazing? That and is... as we continue partnering with them, you know they have. They have found out that you know they as a member they can access a lot of privileged information you know mm-hmm. including journal articles including you know just great things to help them with their professional development. So there is a lot of need uh, in the world for us to partner with people out there because you sometimes we underestimate ourselves ourselves and we may have just enough to help someone else out there to be a better person. So I'm very, very excited about these, um, you know, these partnerships that NACADA has through the global engagement community. We also had a representative from UK, Dave Lochte, mm-hmm. who is a member of UCAT, you know, the United Kingdom Academic Advising and Tutoring programs sitting in my steering committee. My steering committee had someone from South Africa, someone from China, someone from Abu Dhabi, someone from uh, South Africa, you know, very diverse. And when we all meet to discuss issues that touch on the global engagement community, it is a rich environment of growth.
0: Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Oh yes, absolutely. And you were mentioning uh, Dave Lockney and he's been a previous guest on the podcast. Oh, really? Yes, he has. I know that. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you the link to the episode. Uh, oh, it, it was yeah, Dave and Ben Walker. Oh and, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, he was one of my steering committee, very active. Penny Robinson, Mm he also from the UK. And again, like I've said, Matt, you know, when you sit people from different countries, different experiences with different perspectives, and you are all sharing, it becomes a very rich conversation. Mm -hmm. It, It is just amazing. Uh, What can come out of that? So again, I'm very grateful for the chance to have been the chair of the global engagement community. They are currently looking for someone and I'm hoping that someone who was sitting in my steering committee will be the next, um, will be the next, um, chair of, 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 of the, of the community, because it just helps that someone who knows what you were doing Mm -hmm. continues the work, right?
0: Yes, I 100% agree. And you're mentioning UCAT, and I think this is a great segue to this next question, is um, last year, you were part of a presentation for UCAT about the role of transformational leadership and also advising students. And I was hoping that you can talk to us a little bit about that presentation, because I believe in that presentation, you also talked about uh, the four eyes of transformational leadership.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I have a group of friends, colleagues, Mm -hmm. who we do the work of transformational leadership in advising. Mm -hmm. And the three of us have partnered to do the work of advising for, the work of advising using the lens of transformational leadership Mm -hmm. for for several years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got an invitation from David Gray who is the president of UCAT, the United Kingdom Academic Advising Community, to present about transformational leadership. You know, when you're in a you get to know people. You know, that's why, you know, um, conferences are there. Because when you go to a conference, you you are meeting different people, you are engaging them, you are discussing. And so when he invited us, to talk about this of course we presented him with you know our work previously he knew that we were doing this um we he had written two journal articles about it he wanted us to talk about it because it's not it, it's it's an area that is association had, had probably not really um had or they had heard, maybe not had people come to talk about that and so this work of, of transformational leadership uh, springs from the fact that all of us, the three of us, were leaders, you know, in the journey of life, and we, with the three of us, believe that each one of us is a leader in, circum- in some uh, capacity. And transformational leadership, even though very common in business world should actually apply more in the academic world okay. because we are training students. We have we have students who we are training. and even though we are teaching them and advising them, how wonderful would it be if I' if I'm advising a student and, and I'm encouraging them to be to think of, of, of themselves as a leader, you know? If students think of themselves as leaders, I believe they'll they'll start becoming very responsible. They will start becoming very accountable. You know, they will start uh, uh, being mindful of time. Because when you are a leader, you are conscious of time. You have a vision, you have goals. And again, I told you that I teach um, a freshman transitional seminar. These are the kind of things I teach. I teach them when they are freshmen about uh, time management. I teach them as freshmen about coming up with goals. What are the goals for this year as a freshman? Mm -hmm. And when I get to sophomore year, what are the goals of my sophomore year? Mm -hmm. And, you know, short-term goals for the semester. For the week, for the month, in the morning, for that day, what am I going to do? How am I going to, uh, how am I going to account for my time at the end of the day today? Am I going to reflect on the day to see where I lost time? And if that is the case, am I going to do better tomorrow? Mm. So we believed that if we take Transformational leader, I mean, uh, transformational leadership and apply it in our academic advising world because one of my colleagues is, my, both of my colleagues actually are faculty advisors. No. Then we are able to advise our students from the lens of transformational leadership. And as you said, the core tenets of uh, transformational leadership are idealized influence, which basically means that the students are looking at you as their role model. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you are their role model, you are walking the walk, you are talking, you you know, you are walking the talk, you are enthusiastic, you embody values that are important for success. The other one is inspirational motivation, which basically means, you know, Uh, uh, um, which basically means having a clear vision, as I've just said. Being able to be productive on a timely basis, being able to include others just the way they are. And when you think about higher education, Matt, we are talking of individuals that are coming from different places. We just talked about refugees. We just talked about you know some of those that are here, some that do not even you know they have not yet understood the system, they have not yet learned English. And so even though they've learned English, they're in the process of learning it you know so that they can be able to comprehend even better. But when you think about these things, you know you at the end of the day we are, we are encouraging students. We are, we, are, we are telling them that have a clear goal. Be a visionary, just like a leader would have a vision. A good leader has a vision for the organization. A good leader has a vision for where we are going as an institute. I'm sure your university has strategic development you know, goals. Yep. Where is the university going? Same thing, same thing. Teaching students to have some goals and to have a vision about where they are going. It's very, very important. The third eye or the, the third, yeah, we call them eyes. The third one is um, individualized consideration. Mm-hmm. And this one has to do with teaching students to be empathetic, teaching students to, uh, to have a purpose, you know, teaching students to to care for others. You know, those qualities, individual qualities that are important to humanity, having compassion, what are the strengths and the skills students can use? Even me as an academic advisor, what are my strengths and skills? We talked about the grant, you know, to me, that is a strength. Being able to write a good, you know, proposal so that I can get little money to help other people. So we are helping students to consider what is in them that can drive them to success. I always talk to my refugee students, and I tell them, "You are already resilient. Mm-hmm. You have gone through a lot as refugees. Some of them lived in refugee camps. Some of them walked." For miles and miles to escape war in Congo, in Iraq, in Syria, you know, some of them have gone without food or even water or even bathing, and they are still alive. Yep. They are no longer where they were. They are in a better place. And so I encourage them to capitalize on what they already have, that academic resilience, that resilience, that they already have from where they came from because they've been able to overcome a lot. Mm-hmm. Whether someone got killed in the process, maybe a relative, they went through that trauma. Some of them are still going through some traumatic memories. And, and so helping students to see really what strengths they have. And so individual consideration is, what do you bring? What, what is it that is in you that you can utilize for your own success. And then, of course, we have the intellectual stimulation and that involves the curiosity. All of us must have as students, the curiosity of learning, being able to partner with faculty or professors to do research, you know, being able to write a journal article with a professor. And even if you're not writing with a professor, writing well. Mm-hmm. trying to do a good job when you are writing an assignment, trying your best, you know, um, being able to be creative, you know, being creative, whether you are a student now or in the future, being creative to help that company move forward, um, being able to be innovative. What, you know, we learned a lot during the pandemic, yeah. I keep reminding our students, I remind them my students, I tell them, remember the people that came up with the vaccine. They were people that went to school like you. They were able to put their minds together and come up with vaccines that saved all of us. And and look at all these innovations that are going around us, mm-hmm. you know. Talk about all these different apps that are helping us develop, you know, succeed in, in, in different areas, whether it's financial area, sending money to Kenya now, for me, is very easy. I just need to sit, take my phone, send money. Those are innovations. When you think about the different, you know, innovations, you are encouraging your students to really think in terms of, of, of what they can do with their brains now without waiting for others to do that. So those are the four eyes again of transformational uh, leadership: uh, idealized influence, uh, intellectual s- stimulation, individualized consideration, and inspirational, inspirational motivation. And and that's what the gist of the writing of the chapter in that book, mm-hmm. and also the UCAT. Uh, Presentation was all about just challenging advisors and advising directors to think about these things.
0: Yeah, and so you know, as as you were uh, talking about that and describing the, the the four eyes, it reminded me of a, a book review that I read of yours, uh, where you were discussing um, uh, world scouting and educating for global citizenship. And there's a part in there where you actually wrote. That the author concurs with your belief, your personal beliefs of being kind, caring beyond self, and finding satisfaction and service to others. And as an advisor, those are your guiding principles. That this is what you hope uh, your students can take away from uh, the meetings that they have with you, and that advising your students uh, to take responsibility and ownership for that time that they have in college that you hope that they can make that important part of their lives and be responsible world citizens. So I just felt that that was a great tie-in to everything that you just talked about.
1: Thank you. Thank you yeah. very much.
0: Yeah. And then I do want to tie into, um, with our time remaining, that, you know, we are talking about transformational leadership and we're talking about how Nakata has various opportunities for people, um, for a lot of its members. And one of them also involves around publications and you and some colleagues were able to uh, co-write a chapter in one of the most recent Nakata publications for Academic Advising Administration, Essential Knowledge and Skills for the 21st Century, the second edition. And this particular publication examines the uh, evolving boundary-crossing role of the advising administrator and its uh, complex and diversified higher ed environment, and your chapter that you were part of was Academic Advising Leadership and Change Management. So I was hoping that you could share with listeners about that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Again, um, my three um, colleagues and I wrote this chapter. We we submitted a proposal to write it based on our work with um, writing on, on leadership, transformational leadership. And uh, they were looking for Um, authors who would write about change management. Mm -hmm. And uh, Matt, you and I agree that um, there's a lot of movement when it comes to people looking for different things to do. You know, so many vacuums, you know, in terms of positions and in terms of people just looking for jobs uh, or even um, like you know uh the what happened during the pandemic that that time was hard yeah. you know when things normalized people had left jobs you know people had just thought about doing other things and so there were, there were so many changes and 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 even as higher head there have been a lot of changes that have come as a result of enrollment numbers actually as a result of the pandemic and there have been so many adjustments whether it's ad- adjustments related to money, whether you are being taught to be a little bit more careful when you are using uh, resources at um, you know in your in your place of work and, and so we felt the need to write about that because again using the four eyes of transformational leadership, uh we can say that um that the model of transformational leadership assists us in being stewards good stewards of what we have and and so we we linked the model of transformational leadership with servant leadership mm-hmm. to write a chapter that you know that would inform administrators that would inform anyone that reads it, that as a leader, you also have to be thinking in terms of who else are you training Mm -hmm. to take over from you when you are gone? Or even if they are not taking over from you when you are going, um, being able to recommend them for Mm -hmm. other positions How are you training them? So that the knowledge you have as a leader, you're not just keeping it for yourself. You are sharing it with the people you are working together with because life is very interesting. Life happens. We all know that. And tomorrow there will be a vacuum. And whoever takes over, will they be prepared well enough to carry on? or they won't be able to carry on because you were selfish without things are done. You know, sometimes even here in my university, sometimes I look to see how many different programs am I familiar with? Because a university like this, I'm sure a university like yours has so many different softwares and programs, you know, but we all don't know how to use those. Mm -hmm. Only some select group of people know how to access some. And so as a leader, are you able to share that information with others so that if there's change, that change can be managed effectively or not? Mm -hmm. And, And so we feel like we really did, we gave it all. It was not easy to write that chapter. It was, oh, my goodness a grueling task. I cannot even tell you the number of times it was sent back to us. Mm-hmm. Do this by the reviewers. Do this, do this, do this. <laughs> you know, and I and I think, of course, this being an academic book, mm-hmm. you know, that is just the way it should be, that, you know, you, you, you rewrite and write again and take note of a sentence that is not probably clear Mm-hmm. Um, uh, revise it again and again so that at the end of the day someone who buys that book and reads the chapter can really try to see what you meant by every sentence mm-hmm. so again I'm sure there are many people that would have loved to write that chapter but we got it and we are grateful for the work we produced and we hope that it will go to really help others um, you know in, in the in the world of academia and also in in administration, whether they are administrators of academic academic uh, advising units or whether they are just working with students to help them with uh, student success.
0: yeah and I'm glad that you you all kept revising it because there was, could have been so many times that when you got the email saying, Nope, we want you to revise this. You could have just said, "Okay, we're just not going to move forward with it."
1: It is wonderful to be that's what that's one thing of us being in working in higher head. You know, you have to be teachable. You have to okay. be able to work together with others. It's teamwork. It's teamwork. A mm. book like that, it's teamwork because the authors of chapter one are depending on the authors of chapter two. The authors of chapter four are depending on the authors of chapter five and so on.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. So hope those that, that did purchase it, you know, have gotten to read through it and gained a lot of knowledge from it or will soon be purchasing it. Um, And this has been an enlightening conversation and, you know, especially because you're talking about, you know, in a sense, knowledge is power, but only if you're able to share that with everyone and work together collaboratively. So, Dr. Margaret vindio thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: It was wonderful talking to you. Um, it was amazing and uh, amazing experience. And I'm very grateful, uh, Matt, for the opportunity to present and have this conversation with you. Yes. Thank you so much.